Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You want to replay the point? Okay. Mr. Vavrinka wants to replay the point. 15 on. Good afternoon and welcome to Replay the Point. Today is Sunday, June 11th, 2017 here in the United States and Monday, June 12th, 2017 in Paris, France, where co-host Karen Helf is currently residing after taking in today's men's French Open final. Good uh, good night, Karen, at, uh, or good morning, good early morning, uh, just after midnight in Paris. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just running after midnight, so it's technically Monday. Thanks for the welcome, and I'm going to stay today, for sure. Absolutely, and as we heard in the introduction, Mr. Valrenko would like to replay the point. Actually, I think he'd like to replay the whole match today against <laughs> Rafael Nadal. Uh, you were very fortunate to uh, be in attendance, Karen, and uh, Rafael Nadal obviously winning his 10th Roland Garros, 15th major overall, just superlatives uh, are are not enough for what uh, this man has been able to accomplish in his career and especially at Roland Garros. Um, initial thoughts on uh, what you're able to see uh, in, in, in the match today. Well, you know, I think, um, you know, both guys came out, I think, with an immense desire for, you know, for different reasons wanting this title. Um, Rafa, a lot of desire, but also pressure, you know, a lot of build up around this one. And I think we saw that at the end. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you, you caught him with his head in the towel for quite a while there right after uh, they called the match with him as the winner. You know, for Stan, I think um, he had such a tough match against Andy, you know, the match prior um, took a lot more out of him, a lot more in the tank, a lot more, uh, I think mental uh, gymnastics, if you will, to, to stay in that one and come up out on top of the world number one. So you know, kind of coming in from different points of view. But, you know, I think the thing with Rafa right now is he's healthy. I think, dare I say, completely healthy, but probably as healthy as we've seen him in quite a while. Um, I think he's he's learned maybe in some ways the hard way that, you know, he's going to have to respect his body going forward and, and really um, make sure that he, he gives himself the time to heal. But additionally, you know, starting with Monte Carlo, going through Barcelona, Madrid, and then, you know, Rome, yes, he, he exited out earlier than, than a title round, but, you know, still um, quite a strong performance. And we know with Rafa, it's, all about preparation and when he has the right preparation 
and good results because he knows he has prepared well, then the confidence soars. And I think that's truly what you saw today. Um, I, I, I was wondering if he was going to come out looking shaky, shaky, excuse me, you know, with some nerves and really didn't see much of any of that today. Um, I, I just think he was riding on confidence, not as in, yes, I've got this, but yes, I've done everything possible I could do to prepare and I'm as ready as I can be and I'm going to go out and play the moment and, and see what, what happens. Absolutely. No, a very good analysis there. And uh, obviously Stan was right in there with a shot early on to all. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have a break point opportunity. Who, who knows maybe how that first set might go a little bit differently. If he got that break, then did very well, I think to save three or four break points in one service game that lasted uh, an eternity. Um, but then Rafa and his next opportunity uh, broke Stan, next two opportunities broke Stan. And, and all of a sudden it, we go from two all and Stan, Stan playing very well and fortunate save serve, uh, hold his serve rather. And then almost in a blink of the eye, uh, we're at six to first set and uh, Rafa was rolling at that point. Um, if you could uh, elaborate a little bit, Karen, at those moments where Stan uh, did have a break point and then that was a very intriguing game where he did hold serve uh, a number of, excuse me, did uh, save his break points a number of times. Uh, take us through that juncture, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you know, that one game in particular, but that was the one thing that I noticed with Stan is it, it was taking him longer to hold his service game. So that was kind of a clue earlier on, I think, for me that, you know, things were looking favorable for Rafa where, you know, Rafa's points were going more quickly. You know, I I, I, I don't think you could say that Stan didn't play well today. I mean, you know, he still made some amazing shots. As you said, he fought off, you know, some break points and, and played some long games to hold his serve. Um, we all know that, you know, facing break points is probably the most important aspect of tennis and being able to um, come out of that successfully. And, and he did. So, you know, I just don't know if, um, as we talked a little before the show, if maybe the result of the very first set that he had come in perhaps with an expectation that he was going to be more competitive. And it was almost like, you know, he came out playing at a higher level, but as the first set passed and then the second, um, it almost seemed like it was chipping away at his belief because I don't, I don't think it was really, you know, a, a physical thing for him. I really think it was more of a mental challenge today. And once he sort of started to doubt himself, that's when you saw the game decline a bit. Um, and then, you know, Ruffle was so strong on the other side of the net. Oh, absolutely. And um, obviously this is a huge win for Rafa, number 10. Uh, It's going to go unmatched, I think, uh, forever. But uh, the trophy ceremony, uh, Karen, if you can talk a little bit about that. Obviously you you were there. Uh, Your coverage, if you will, was much better than than on TV. But uh, anything that stood out in particular uh, from that presentation? Well, you know, obviously both guys, they have a tremendous amount of respect for each other, um, you know, and I think they both know the value of a win as well as the sting of losing a slam, but also knowing that, you know, um, 
you know, there there are opportunities and maybe they don't come all the time, but, you know, that it can be anyone's day as well. And I think, um, you know, both Stan and Rafa showed a lot of um, heart towards each other, which mm-hmm. I'm always so pleased to see, which which was great. But then you know, I just have to say, watching Tony Nadal walk out with that trophy was just, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think the word that came out of my mouth was, this is awesome. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't know, maybe I should have exited, I don't know, but I, it just, it was such a um, heartfelt surprise, I think, for a lot of people. And I mean, I looked around, a lot of people were teary-eyed and sobbing, especially because it's going to be his last season with Rafa. This is sort of their final, you know, big achievement, if you will. Um, you know, obviously Roland Garros has been their um, greatest success of their partnership over the years. And so I think it was a really fitting tribute to have Tony bring the trophy out, but as well for him to stand side by side with Rafa on that podium. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, thanks for that. Uh, those observations. And Karen, we're going to back up uh, about 48 hours ago. You were very fortunate uh, enough to attend both of the men's semifinals. Um, sort of uh, a, a daunting task, if you will, uh, given the fact that Roland Garros sold two separate tickets. I want to uh, ask you about the logistics of that. Uh, obviously, clearing the stadium out and filling it back in, and uh, obviously Rafa racing against the clock, namely daylight, uh, to get the job yeah. done against. But um, first, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about Friday. And you saw uh, a marathon, if you will, between Stan Varinka and Andy Murray, uh, in which obviously mm-hmm. Stan prevailed. But um, you're, if you could take us uh, through some of your memories of, of that match and what jumped out at you. Um, and that was just such a high-quality match. I mean, both of them were going for their shots, serving well, re- really playing everything well. And, you know, I remember – one point a gentleman sitting next to me um i think it was in the fourth set and um um it was just a, a point that was played extremely well but andy lost the point and kind of hung his head for a second and the guy next to me was like you know he's just got to let that go because mm-hmm. he did everything right there was just nothing he could do that last shot was just too good you know and um that, that match really in terms of the men's single side really stands out for me as probably the most competitive high quality match. And I'm not saying Rafa's match wasn't great today, but you know, when you're comparing and really looking at um, the matchup between the players, maybe the mentality where they both are at that point in the game and um, being able to stick with each other toe to toe, that match was exceptional. No, outstanding. No, I, I was, it was a treat uh, to be able to take in as well uh, for, mm-hmm. for at least four sets. Obviously, uh, Andy probably ran out of gas. Stan was playing exceptionally well, uh, feeling good about himself to level it at two sets piece, mm-hmm. and then Stan did get the job done. And Kieran, uh, again, a uh, very strange scenario. I think it was the first time they sold separate tickets, and uh, everybody's scratching their head. Well, okay, uh, there is a possibility that the first – match can go long as it did why don't why don't they start everything a little bit earlier but um, uh, obviously you had to exit and then re-enter so a uh, little bit of a unique scenario what what was that like yeah I mean they just kind of very quickly came through cleared the stadium you know got everybody back in but I will say 
Um, and I was one of them. I had to go out and, and find another ticket. I bought through the resale site, and it was absolutely not clear on there that you were purchasing a ticket just for a single match. So there are a number oh, wow. of people that I think kind of felt sort of burned um, when they thought they had bought a match, uh, excuse me, bought a ticket for both matches. But, you know, is what it is. I, I, I do understand the business side of tennis and certainly a, a revenue uh, making opportunity to separate these two matches out with, you know, four players that are just, except playing exceptional tennis right now and, uh, you know, great competitors, especially let's throw in Dominic team here. We haven't really talked much about him, but, you know, <clears throat> had, you know, more of a, uh, maybe, uh, exit that, you know, wasn't what he was hoping for, but we know that he's had a tremendous play season as well. Played a lot of tennis, um, you know, has come up against Rafa and beaten him on clay. So, as we said before, that's another name that's going to stick around for a while and uh, would expect to see his name on that trophy at some point. No, completely agree. Dominic Team, the only man who will go down as uh, victorious against Rafael Nadal on clay in mm-hmm. 2017. Uh, quite an accomplishment for him to, to do that and, again, get to the semis. And absolutely, we, we expect very good things from him going forward in his career, especially on clay. Karen, before we uh, wrap things up on the men's side and go over to the WTA, anything else that you'd like to uh, share or um, jumped out at you? Uh, were you were you in Paris when uh, David Goffin uh, went down, unfortunately? I was not. And, boy, I just feel like that's just tragic for him. But let's hope he's, he's able to heal it quickly. I heard – I know it's an ankle – I heard some folks say it's a break. Some folks say it's a sprain. I don't have confirmation yet, but but just hate to see that regardless. Um, I guess we do have to stay on a positive note, shifting gears. You know, for our American players on the double side, we ended up with both Donald Young and Ryan Harrison in the final, mm-hmm. playing against each other and Ryan Harrison coming out on top. But, you know, boy, talk about, I don't think anybody would have called that, right? Um, no. You know, in, in, in terms of who we were looking to see in the finals. So congratulations to both of them, really, on a great run for the week and to Ryan and his partner, uh, Santiago uh, Gonzalez, and, you know, for their first victory. I think it's the first time playing together, too. Not oh, it was uh, Mike, Michael Venus of New Zealand with Harrison. Um, oh, I'm the, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm yep. confusing uh, – Yep. Uh, Donald Young's partner, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep. Um, yeah, Michael Venus. I apologize for that. So uh, it was um, it was shocking to watch line. all the uh, all the all the top men's uh, pairings and doubles go down very early in the tournament. And uh, yeah, for Ryan Harrison, congratulations to both Ryan Harrison and Donald Young, uh, Americans, for reaching the Roland Garros final. I, I, I completely agree. Uh, no one saw this one coming, and. Uh, nice, nice, very nice result for Ryan Harrison and Michael Venus. And Karen, switching gears to the WTA, Ostapenko with with an absolute stunner, given the fact that she was down a set, love three, three break points against, uh, flips the switch, starts swinging freely as she does, 
all the time, but was connecting a little bit more. Simona Halep, I was a little surprised, got uh, de- very dejected after not winning that game. But, uh, you know, she was up uh, a break in the third set, still had an opportunity to, to win it. But, wow, 20-year-old Yelena Ostapenko of Latvia, Roland Garros champion. I'm shocked, just to put it mildly. Yeah, and her first title, her first WTA mm-hmm. title, and it's a grand slam. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I was in the the main courtyard and watched one of her matches um, prior. It was the match against Brzezinski. And, you know, I have to say when it started out, I thought for sure Brzezinski had, had – had the upper hand mainly due to experience. Um, but she just, everyone was saying, you know, little engine that could, she just keeps coming forward. She's very aggressive and she seems to play without hesitation. Mm. It's like she, she's able to assess and rapidly, I don't want to say quickly, but rapidly, decide what she's going for, and then she's done and she's executing. So, you know, and she's a powerful hitter and she's taking time away. I heard lots of comparisons, so many people, including myself, saying, you know what, she reminds me of Monica Seles. That that came up again and again and again. Um, And even the kind of the young girl with the tennis racket that almost looks too big for her hands, you know, being out on the court. So, quite quite a lot of that going on and, and it was just exciting to see you know she's a firecracker out there and uh, um, kind of a, a dream story you know I completely agree big uh, big win for her uh, over Simona Halep who probably has to be kicking herself this is her second Roland Garros final um, looked looked pretty good uh, you know she got through Pliskova in the semifinal she would have been world number one had as well as Roland Garros champion had she won this match, mm-hmm. and uh, she's really got to be scratching her head on this one. She was doing all the right things again, up a set, three love, three break points to go up a double break, and most likely seal that match uh, pretty quickly. But it, it all got away from her. I know she's invested heavily in, in working with Darren Cahill uh, earlier in the clay season. She unfor- had unfortunate. Uh, situation when she rolled her ankle playing um, against mm-hmm. Fidelina in Rome. Uh, that maybe detracted a little bit, but she, you know, she was sort of iffy uh, early rounds of Roland Garros was, was getting it together and advancing through the draw nicely. But you have to, again, with all the big names out of the draw here at Roland Garros 2017 on the WTA side, uh, this, I don't know, I don't want to write her off, but uh, this, in my opinion, probably was Simona Holop's best chance to get this job done here. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, you have to look at your opportunities and kind of the the odds and statistics of things. And, you know, not only with, okay, Serena's out this year, she'll probably be back next year, but also the other players coming up, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Ostapenko as well as, you know, a number of others that are just becoming stronger and becoming bigger and bigger challenges and bigger threats every couple of months, you know, it just seems like that next wave of women um, that are going to be able to start dominating is beginning to tip into that area. And I don't think there's going to be much of a gap left. 
Um, you know, and then we also talked a little bit about some of our other dark horses and favorites, you know, and I, again, I talked about Caroline Wozniacki and, you know, she went reasonably deep into the quarterfinals and then sure enough came up against Ostefanko and, and I think, um, I don't want to say took her for granted, but I think certainly wasn't expecting what she came up against. Right, right. Uh, that's well put. I agree. Wozniacki, obviously, world number one uh, for year-ending twice. Uh, great accomplishment. Won a lot of titles in there. Does not have a major to her name. People were thinking, okay, she's in the quarters uh, against mm-hmm. uh, someone who this is a potentially winnable match. And as you mentioned, Karen, probably she thought the same thing. So got the first set done, but uh, was only able to manage four games the rest of the way. And um, just want to talk about some other names because uh, they were brought up as potential challengers to post, maybe even hoist the trophy. Kiki, Kiki Mladenovic uh, got to the quarters as well, um, survived mm-hmm. a couple of times uh, earlier on in the tournament, and you had to think, okay, maybe uh, Lady Luck is smiling on her the way she's progressing. But uh, Tamea Bachinski had other ideas, took her out in straight sets. Uh, obviously, it's always nice when a Frenchman or French woman is progressing through the draw, just the local excitement uh, to to be amped up a bit, and, and the roars of the crowd are, are extra loud. But uh, Mladenovic, not, uh, not to be uh, against Bachinski. Yeah, and, you know, I'll just tell a quick brief story on Bershinsky because the first time I ever got to see her play up close, I was actually volunteering at the Miami tournament, and my job was literally court access. So I was standing in the corner of center court, so one of the entrances, and got to watch her match. And I want to say she was playing Halep, but I'd have to look that up. And I couldn't get over the the power in her ball striking and how cleanly she was hitting the ball and to see it up close like that you know just really gives you quite a perspective so I I wasn't shocked that that she went up against Kiki and and fought this hard and not only that really just saw her be quite a fighter um I think with her she's had some consistency issues but obviously you know she's got the ability to bring bring the game to the table. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if she's able to work on, you know, producing with more consistency to achieve, you know, results like she did this week. No, good, good great, great call on that one. Uh, she's, she is a pleasure to watch. I, I like her game as well. Um, someone else who's going to leave Roland Garros with uh, quite a, quite a lot of regrets, Karen, Elena Svitolina, who had herself a very mm-hmm. nice clay court season, uh, again took out Halep in, in Rome in the final there and w- had match point against Simona Halep in, in the quarters and uh, then uh, lost her way uh, after up by 5-1 in the second set. Karen, she only won one game the rest of the way, lost a tight second set breaker but was bageled in the third set, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. Svitolina that, uh, had ideas of winning this tournament as, as others uh, felt strongly about as well, ousted, and, and you have to wonder, you're so close, you have that match point, you still have a shot uh, in the tiebreaker, don't get the job done, you still have another shot in the third set and just got rolled by Simona Halep at that point in time, but uh, I think this one's going to sting a little bit longer for Elena Svitolina. Um, unfortunately for her, she she was right in there with a the shot. Yeah, I mean she she's also been one in the past 
about a year and a half. That's been a rising star in the WTA has been, you know, collecting some titles and, um, you know, showing a lot of promise. She's also a player that's pretty aggressive, plays with a lot of power. So she's exciting to watch, Um, you know, but I think we go back to this time and time again, it's a lot of players can play great tennis on a given day, but coming through the draw, it's that consistency day in and day out. And then especially with the matches that I saw, you know, towards the end, even with Halep, you know, I think some of it was, again, starting to just not believe in herself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, doing all these things up against this young girl, and she keeps coming back and attacking me. And, yeah. you know, what can I do? Can I do anything? I don't, you know, I don't know. It, it just, it just seemed like it when you look at, you know, the body language and things that we see on the court. And, you know, I'm really reminded, and I'll talk more about this in my own experience with the Nadal Academy, but, um, you know, the preparation, giving you the confidence, it's kind of like going in for a final exam, right? If you know you didn't study and you didn't review the notes, you're probably going to go into that classroom to take a test feeling more anxiety and feeling less mm-hmm. comfortable. When you go in and you know, you know what, I read everything, I reviewed everything, <laughs> I studied as hard as I can, and I've prepared as I, best as I possibly can, then it it removes some of that anxiety and it lets you go out, I think, and just play with a level of confidence, not an arrogance, so I got this, but hey, mm-hmm. I'm prepared to do my best today because I've put in the work, you know, and then that is a foundation for believing in yourself. So to me, it's, it's less the physicality with these top players because they've all got it. Right. I mean, we all see them make amazing shots from time to time and, you know, serving well and returning well, but it, it's that maintaining that level of belief, especially when you're being pushed, that says, I'm down, but the scorecard isn't printed yet, so it's not over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that assessment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we talked about Simona Halep uh, would have been world number one had she won on Saturday. Karen uh, Pliskova also had an opportunity. It just seems that uh, no matter what Angie Kerber does, including crashing out in the first round in a major, she's still uh, the world number one come tomorrow. But um, how about Pliskova? I mean, this is, again, this is not her best surface. Um, She's got to feel good about making the semis. Sure, she was a set of piece Mm -hmm. in the semifinal against Halep. Didn't didn't get the job done. But um, we talked about players with regret uh, not having opportunities, not cashing in them on Roland Garros. I'm going to go the opposite way with – with uh, Carolina Pliskova, the fact that she made a semifinal and uh, was in with a shot on a surface uh, where she's really not done well in the past. And I, I think this is going to be good for her, a springboard, if you will. Uh, got a lot of matches in. She's going to feel good about going back there next year. But um, yeah, that and uh, Petra Martic of Croatia, who is, uh, you know, I've seen her play before. She came through qualifying, had a nice uh, run to the fourth round as well, but I think Pliskova uh, eventually will uh, will get to number one. I think anyway uh, in the not too distant future. 
I agree. You know, I, I think with Carolina, if there's one word that comes to mind when I think of her and her game, it's steady. She may not be, you know, a dramatic, dynamic shot maker necessarily. I mean, she returns extremely well. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But, you know, those ooh-ah kind of shots, maybe you don't see that from her as much. And she doesn't show a ton of emotion out there on the court. She's just kind of very even keel. But as you said, this is not her best surface. She's played a lot of tennis this year. She's had a lot of success this year. And a semifinal in a in a uh, Grand Slam is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and in her case, I think you know very proud of. I think one area where you definitely see an opportunity with her is when she's trying to come into net, especially on clay. She just kind of looks lost, um, you know, standing up at the net and trying to defend. But she'll get it. She's she's smart person and I think is definitely one of those that will put in the work and take a look at her game and you know see what she did well here and see where the opportunities are to improve sure no I like that that's well put and uh, obviously we're uh, wrapped up with the clay court season Karen we're off to the grass already Uh, some qualifying going on um, in England and points elsewhere and uh any other uh, final thoughts on Roland Garros before we talk just a little bit about uh, a little bit more of your time at the Rafael Nadal Academy? Um, yeah, just quickly, we didn't mention Bethany Maddox-Sands and Lisa Safarova, who took the title in the doubles at Roland Garros, so definitely want to uh, put a plug in for them and uh, had an opportunity to see them play also against Giovanni and Flipkins, and that was really uh, one of my favorite matches. It was very, very dynamic. Givoni so intense. And, boy, if you haven't seen Bethany next chance playing at the net, you ought to because she's, mm. uh, she's like a lightning rod out there. And then, you know, I'd also say they, they're just the enjoyment that that team has with each other. Obviously, mm. they're great friends. They enjoy playing together. They have great chemistry out there on the court. They're always smiling. They're always laughing. Um, and yet, you know, also playing with intensity. And so um, great job on their part and, and really happy to see them having success at a Grand Slam. Again. No, absolutely. And they're, yes, they're having a ton of success. Uh, it's always nice to see smiles on the face of players on tennis courts uh, instead of the uh, the agonizing grimaces and whatnot. But you you nailed it. I mean, they, they are a fun uh, pair to watch on the court and Boy, their scoreboard is speaking pretty loudly. Uh, yet another major for Bethy Maddox Sands and Lucy Shahafova. So, um, Karen, you also uh, spent five days at the Rafael Nadal Academy in Mallorca, where you touched a little bit about this uh, last show. Uh, we're going to obviously elaborate more on future shows, but uh, uh, when we talked, uh, you think you were early on in your visit there. Any any other? snippets or tidbits that you'd like to share and you, you already sprinkled a few of them on with respect to the preparation as you mentioned uh, for mm-hmm. uh, going into a match and and you know if you know you're you've put in the in the work and you feel good about taking the court with no regrets at all your chances are you're going to swing freely you're going to feel better about your chances rather than the the potential doubts in your head but uh, any other snippets if you will that you'd like to share that you picked up and and learned Well, you know, I just want to stress, it's really a place where anyone can come. Um, I'm writing more about this, but 
you know, I looked at my visit with excitement and trepidation. Um, you know, my my tennis playing CVs kind of goes, uh, I was on the tennis team for one season, didn't do very well, quit and took up gymnastics the next year. Uh, probably didn't really touch a tennis racket, maybe casual weekends once or twice a year for uh, 20 years. So I was kind of going, I don't belong here. Um, I don't know. They're going to look at me and go, why is she here, you know? going out to play and, and take a lesson. And I've got to tell you, it was not the case at all. It was like as if they took working with me as seriously as if they were working with anybody. And wow. It, yeah, it was, it was amazing because I, I really did. I kind of went on the court. I shank the first two balls into the next court, cringing. The instructor on the other court jokingly said, hey, you need two courts. And I was going, oh, God. And then he followed up with uh, – no worries, I have insurance. And so we all laughed. <laughs> Got that out of the way. And then um, the instructor I had, Thomas, he just really, uh, I will tell you where he started, though. Most people, I've taken a couple lessons, not a lot, but almost everyone has gone straight to my swing, the arm mm. motion. Mm-hmm. He started with my feet because I was taking giant steps instead of small steps to get to the ball. And so I couldn't possibly make a good shot on the ball because I wasn't in a good position to do it. And just focusing on taking smaller steps and actually getting my body closer to the ball, that was the other thing I didn't realize. I, you know, I learned back in the day of Chris Everett wooden rackets and the huge backswing, if I learned at all. I mean, it was me and my dad hitting balls in the street um, so, you know, <laughs> quite a bit of change. And, you know, I just have to say they made my experience there, um, extremely enjoyable, fun, but I learned a ton and not just about tennis. I've learned things about myself that in the past week I've been reflecting on as I've been <laughs> walking around and running around and, and mm-hmm. I'll share more of that maybe later for a next story. No, that sounds great. It, and and what you you said a few things there that I really liked. Uh, everybody's welcome. You don't necessarily have to be an athlete per se. And uh, again, uh, the people that have worked with you in the past with lessons, they all focused on the same thing. And yet here's uh, Thomas uh, concentrating and leading off with something completely different, namely your feet. Uh, you must be thinking, wow, okay, I'm, I'm dialed in already. Somebody is noticing something that uh, that I need to work on that, that could probably lead to me being more effective elsewhere uh, in my game. But that's that's nice, Karen. Not only did you pick up things on the court, but as you mentioned, I'm, I'm very intrigued to learn more about uh, some of the other aspects that you've been mulling over and, and thinking about uh, in, in Paris. That's, uh, that's outstanding. That's what it's all about, in my opinion, for an academy like that, just not the athlete side of it, but the human element side. And that, that's it's going to be thrilling to hear more about that. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm a little bit blown away of the awareness I have about myself right now concerning certain things. So mm-hmm. I'll share more on that with you later. Absolutely. And um, before we wrap up, Karen, any other thoughts uh, you'd like to share on Roland Garros 2017? Well, you know, I do want to say this, you know, given everything that's been uh, going on in the world, especially in Europe, 
in London in particular, um, the security that the French community put together, the police obviously coordinating with the tournament was just exceptional. Um, You know, I know some people might have seen it as a bother that there were four or five checkpoints and your bags were searched, you were patted down, you were wanted, but you know what? Boy, it made me feel completely comfortable walking around that they had things um, very well planned, organized, orchestrated. So I'd say hats off to them for that because it's it's just an important thing right now and, you know, unfortunately something that we have to, to be aware of. Well, I agree. Well, we had the flares in the stands and then obviously someone jumping on the court and trying to put a hat on Federer over the years too. So they've had their incidents mm-hmm. and it's good to know, as you mentioned, at this t- point in time in the world that uh, they took every precaution uh, to to be uh, safety conscious uh, this time at Roland Garros. So very good, Karen. Uh, look forward to another show uh, with you, perhaps when you are in London or points elsewhere. And um, uh, glad you had an opportunity to take in uh, the both finals, uh, the men's semifinals, as well as other action in the, during the week. And so on behalf of Karen Health, this is Pete Zebron saying good night. We'll catch you next time on Replay the Point. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.